right. Welcome back, everyone. We are back with another episode. It's going to be our last football pod of the 2021-2022 NFL season. So basically in this one, since it's our last like football one for a while, uh, or at least football game breakdown for a while, uh, we're going to go heavy into the Super Bowl um, kind of key points and our reactions and takeaways, stuff like that. So we'll hit the Super Bowl stuff. Then we'll probably get into uh, some basketball stuff. We got to react to the James Harden and Ben Simmons trade. And then we'll just finish it up with some UH basketball stuff. Um, so let's get into it. Um, first of all, though, I got to say so the final score of this game, right? 23 to 20 Rams. And can I can I just say <laughs> that that was really really lucky? Hey, was it lucky or am I just I literally called the exact not only the exact score, but we'll get into, you know, the the game breakdown stuff because a lot of the stuff we kind of talked about, I mean, you know, kind of what everyone, you know, was kind of thinking anyway, at least most of the sports analysts um you know, kind of dictated, kind of similar to how it played out. But I just got to say, guys, there is a new, um, I guess, bill that's being pushed by Hawaii lawmakers um, to have online sports uh, betting become legalized in Hawaii. So stay tuned for that, because if that happens... We're going to be making a lot of money together. I promise you. Um, but yeah, so not, you know, actually, no, I am tooting my own horn here. I called, you know, exact score. Uh, I was texting Matt during the game. I said, I was like, Matt, it's lining up for the 23 to 20. And he's told, what did you tell me? Nah, there's no way the Bengals don't score again. So if you wanted the Bengals to win, blame Matt because he jinxed it. Um I got the score right. All right, I'm done. Um, it's all Johnny Hecker's fault. All he had to do was <laughs> handle the PAT. <laughs> yeah, and then the line too. It would have it would have hit four, so it would have pushed um, with everyone too. So look look at that. The odds makers, dude. I don't know how they do it, but they were literally a dropped PAT away from getting the line perfect. That's like, dude. I don't know how they do it, but anyway, um, you know what? Let's just get into the game. So. Um, basically going into this game, me and Matt talked about in the last pod, right? What, what was it going to come down to is going to be, how is going to, how is the Cincinnati offensive line and scheme going to be able to deal with the Rams, you know, pass rush and handling Aaron Donald. And so early on, uh, kind of interesting because it didn't seem too much, um, like, you know, I mean, they, were, they weren't really throwing too much. They were trying to establish a run game, kind of like how we talked about. Um, but the Rams, you know, they were ready. They came out prepared. And honestly, I was surprised um, how good the Rams offense looked uh, early in this game. You know, um, it just seemed like once they found those matchups with Odell, uh, it just really started clicking. So uh, basically, yeah, those first two touchdown drives, I thought it was really impressive. Um, 
you know, Burrow kind of really didn't do too much this game um, outside of those two big plays to, you know, Chase and Higgins down the sideline. Those are really like, I think those two plays accounted for almost half of his, if not more than half of his total yards uh, for the whole game. So those are kind of the two big chunk plays. Everything was kind of underneath and short, kind of like what we talked about, you know, they were going to scheme to like the quick game, more of that Tom Brady-esque type of gameplay, um, get the ball out of your hands fast so that, you know, you can deal with that pass rush. Um, but a couple big moments in the first half. So uh, not only does Odell go down with the injury, but, you know, Johnny Hecker dropped the extra point. And at the time, I thought that was going to be huge. I mean, obviously for the line, but, you know, one point in the Super Bowl, um, it's always going to, you know, matter because it turns it basically from a three-point game, right, to a four-point game, essentially the whole way how they were, the scoring ended up going, right? Um, And kind of kept Cincinnati in the game, uh, basically at the end there, just, you know, them needing a field goal, but uh yeah so you know the rams were rolling their offense was rolling and then obviously odell goes down and they kind of just went flat for a while um they couldn't figure out any sense of rhythm i thought odell actually was making a huge impact i was so stoked to see him score the first touchdown too um you know just good for him everything he's been through in cleveland right um good to see all that hard work kind of pay off for him Unfortunately, it sounds like it is an ACL. Um, and he, you know, obviously this is the last, literal last game of the NFL season, right? So who knows when he'll be back, where he'll be playing. Um, best wishes to him, but, you know, at least they did win. So he did get his ring after all. Um, so let's see. Yeah, early, I thought, you know, it looked good for um, the Rams, but Cincinnati's first touchdown drive I thought was huge uh, just because, you know, the Rams went up 13 to three and it kind of felt like they had all the momentum going for them. And, you know, props to Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati offense. They had a good drive, went all the way down the field, made it a a three point game at that point. And then, you know, Odell gets hurt and, you know, Stafford threw the pick in the end zone, kind of just threw it up. Um, But that that kept them in the game, you know uh 13 to 10 at the half is way different from 13 to 3 um Matt I don't know if you had any um comments on that first half besides what I touched on but I kind of thought those were kind of the big moments there I mean kind of piggybacking off what you said so the Rams obviously get off to the quick start they get that Odell touchdown right you know beautiful pass by Stafford but I look back at that drive and I say, how did that drive like start off? Mm -hmm. And it starts off by Zach Taylor's, you know, mismanagement and his first real blunder, you know, coaching in that Super Bowl, right. Coming down his first Super Bowl, you know, he's the second youngest coach to McVay, right. You know, to ever coach in a Super Bowl, obviously McVay has been there once before. So experience definitely on McVay's side. And I definitely think Zach Taylor was pushing a little too early, um, you know, fourth and one on the 50 yard line, you know, first drive, you know, you got to play the field position game there. You know, Zach Taylor tries to be, you know, I wouldn't say try to play hero ball, but 
he's trying to, you know, push himself, push himself to get that lead. Um, and I just don't like the call. I mean, it just didn't make too much sense to me. But then if you look at the play, I was kind of watching the play breakdown. So it was actually a, a good design play, actually. And I think Burrow, I don't know what the initial read was, but it was a quick throw and he threw it to Chase. But obviously, um, uh, Ernest Jones, the Rams linebacker, kind of undercuts the route and, you know, he bats it away. But when I was kind of looking at that play, um, T. Higgins, they motioned T. Higgins and then they snapped it as soon as he was kind of like at the line of scrimmage. So it was kind of like a one motion motion to the right side. And he was wide open. I don't know if you saw it. It was like it was like that Kansas City play. They always yeah. run this play with Tyreek. Tyreek play. Yeah. It was the exact same thing, but it, instead of throwing it to Tyreek or in this case Higgins, you know, Burrow, it's a quick hot route, so he throws it to him. I think it was Chase, right? Yeah. So, I don't know if that was a preset read, but you know, if he throws it to Higgins, it's probably going to go for a 20-yard gain and at least they're in field goal range. And then, you know, the Bengals are off to the races, right? So, you know, it's a, it's a game of what ifs, you know, in, in this big magnitude. But that was kind of what I took away on that first drive. And, you know, obviously the Rams did what good teams do. They cash in on the short field. And then what else? What else? On the second Rams touchdown drive, um, like what you said to Odell, made that big play again, right? He had that big third down catch. Yeah. On third and 11 too. Yeah, yeah. that was huge because they were going to punt. I mean, they punted the drive before, got him in third and long. So, I mean, Odell really, you know, he was making his impact felt. And, you know, I I think I just feel so sick for him because I was cheering for him to do really well because I think he's a, you know, Maybe because he's not a giant. I don't know. Just <laughs> ever, since he left the Gi- ever since he left the Giants, I started cheering for him. But yeah, very, very tough situation with Odell going down with that injury. So hopefully he's okay. But I kind of want to talk about um, the Bengals offense. And this is maybe more for the whole game. But don't I always, when we talk about the Bengals for this playoff run, don't yeah. I always, what is yeah, the one what? thing? Let, I let's just get into this. Consistently, yeah, all of I our consistently key points. We don't say, right? We don't even go by quarters. How do the Bengals need to win? Through not Joe Burrow, not Joe Shiesty. It's the <laughs> other one. The second leading rusher in the league this year. That's mm-hmm. Joe Mixon. Mm-hmm. And it was so frustrating to watch this game, especially on Zach Taylor calling these plays. I mean, they just did not use him. I I just didn't understand why. And when he, they did use him, he was effective. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of breaking down the stats. So he had 15 carries for 70, I think it was like 74, 75 yards. Yeah. So a solid, you know, very productive, productive game. Yeah. He had almost, he averaged almost five right. yards a carry. Yeah. At least four and a half yards, five yards a carry. Did you know they only ran the ball? on back-to-back plays once <laughs> the entire game. And the one time they did that was when they scored on that long p- drive, the 12-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. That mm-hmm. was the only time they ran the ball consecutively. <laughs> I mean, they just get so pass-happy. And it just it was so frustrating just to watch that because that's exactly what the Rams want you to do. <laughs> you know, 
they're playing into your strength. You know, you got to protect your line. Obviously, look at what happened. The Bengals, you know, they held up in the first half, but in the second half, it was a totally yeah. different story. Mm-hmm. You know, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and those boys got home. So, yeah, I think I just think Zach Taylor, rookie mistake, you know, he can get a pass because it's his first Super Bowl, but that his play calling was brutal to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I think Sean McVay um, even learned his lesson from his past Super Bowl when he abandoned the run, you know, in that game against the Patriots. Um, and so interesting, you know, interestingly enough, uh, the Rams actually ran the ball 23 times and only had 43 yards to show for it. <laughs> but they still ran it more than Cincinnati did. And Cincinnati ran the ball 20 times for 79 yards total. Um, so, and that's literally what, you know, we were preaching on the whole time, you know, you can't abandon the run because once you do that and those four, you know, front four get to just pin their ears back and especially uh, the Rams yeah, and just start coming after, you know, uh, after Joe Burrow, like good luck, because that's exactly what happened in that second half. Joe Burrow got sacked like six times on, uh, the, in the second half. He got sacked once Crazy. on that last drive going to the half, and he got sacked six times on um, – let's see here. He got sacked six times in eight drives. He got sacked to end the game. So, I mean, that's just unacceptable. I mean, you know, obviously it's it's hard. Joe does tend to hold the ball a little bit too long, I think. Um, that's something I think he'll just – get used to and um you know learn from that but but yeah i thought exact the exact same thing um zach taylor you know he'll learn from this too um but yeah them abandoning the run um i think just really hurt hurt the team overall um whereas you know the rams did the opposite they stayed patient with the run game they weren't even getting anything out of it um but they just knew to just just have Cincinnati even thinking about, you know, them wanting to run the ball that, you know, who knows that could have made the big difference in the game. Um, but yeah, so let's get into another part. So we talked about Odell. I want to talk about uh, the two, I guess, big, I, more controversial calls um, the refs made or didn't make in this case. So, you know, pretty flag free Super Bowl for the most part. Um, the game had a good flow to it. They're really letting guys play um, throughout most of the game. There was a lot of hand fighting, you know, between the DBs and the receivers. Um, even, you know, Ramsey got burned once down the sideline. There's a lot of contact on that play with him and Chase. Um, obviously, the big, I guess, no call uh, early on was that, you know, that touchdown that um, T. Higgins yeah. scored. The first play right. of the second half. The first yeah. play of the second half. So they took the shot to Ramsey. And, you know, like in real time, right, because you couldn't really see, it's like, oh, man, like Higgins just made a better adjustment on the ball, right, uh, as opposed to Ramsey. And he was kind of in a bad position as it was. But, you know, on the replay, his head definitely got turned around from T. Higgins' hand. Like, it was only a split second, right? But everyone knows, you know, baseball knows, or just any sport, right, if – anything that includes a ball in the air 
if you take your eyes off that ball for, you know, even a second, that'll completely throw off, you know, your sense of direction or tracking, I guess, in this case. Uh, and that was a pretty big miss call because it literally led to a touchdown directly from that. So uh, I thought that was a big miss call. I kind of have, oh, just me. Uh, I don't know if you feel this way too, Matt, but you know, when there's a big miss call like that early on in the game, uh, I just feel like, you know, the football gods or whatever sports gods will give you one back kind of thing, kind of like a ball don't lie scenario uh, early in the game. You know, sorry, uh, you know, Saints fans for uh, that blown P.I. call. <laughs> that was at the end of the game. You didn't have enough time, you know. Uh, anyway, but <laughs> uh, yeah, so like we have any Saints fans. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah sorry, Saints fans. Um, anyway. So that was a big call. And then, you know, that last drive, uh, that last touchdown drive that the Rams had, uh, there was that PI call on Cooper Cup. And I, I mean, obviously, there wasn't a lot there. Um, I don't know what you thought, Matt, but I didn't think there was a ton there. You know, there was some contact, obviously, but nothing egregious to the point that I thought it warranted a flag, at least in how the game was being called up to that point. Um, but I don't know if it's because it was Cooper Cup, you know, like on a linebacker. Um, it looked really bumpy, and you know, maybe the nerves just got to the refs there. I'm not too sure, but that was a big call. Obviously, that led to them scoring the touchdown. Um, just made the field a little bit shorter. I mean, they could have scored anyway, but obviously, first down compared to fourth down, right? Uh, is a huge difference. So. I mean, yeah. I think that the Logan Wilson pass interference, uh, when you slow it down, it did look like he kind of he pulled Cup like back into yeah. him a little bit. So I kind of was okay with that call. And then obviously, you know, the T Higgins, <laughs> that was just a little, <laughs> little too obvious when you break it down. See, but my thing was, I mean, I didn't really read the rules or anything, but why can't you challenge that? Yeah, I don't know. Um... Because all scoring plays should be reviewed, right? Right. For some for something. So maybe that's something the NFL needs to look into as a possible rule change. Yeah, because that was pretty it was pretty obvious. Pretty obvious when you yeah, you look back at the replay. I know Skip yeah. Bayless was like, he didn't really <laughs> turn his head around. Like it didn't Okay, well Skip was it. I was Skip like was one thousand percent cheering for the Bengals. Come on, <laughs> Skip. Even you there's that's like an inarguable fact like whatever man i don't know i was like dude come on that's pi all the way um <laughs> yeah but i guess those were the big takeaways probably i think um the play of the game though matt i don't know if you got to watch this back over but stafford hit cup uh on that last drive and I didn't know this at the time, but no it, look you saw the no look. Oh, my God. That was so sick. Because I think, was that a third down play, too? I swear that was like, that might have been a third down play um, early in that drive. Let's see. Okay, well, oh, no, no, sorry. It wasn't a third down play. Second but down. Yeah, it was a second down yeah, play, but it, it went for play. like 20 yards. So, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, how did Cup get that open, right? And then you see, like, literally that perfect angle of how the camera yeah. had it. 
he was looking off to the right and you can literally see the defender. Von Bell just drifts yeah, right Von to the Bell, right. Yeah. He read Stafford's eyes like perfectly uh, and was literally yeah, drifting towards that side of the field. And it's like literally as Stafford makes the throw, you, you can see like in Von Bell's body language, like, oh, this ball is going to my right side. <laughs> and by that point, it, you know, Stafford moved him off just enough to get that throw through that window to cup. But that play, I think, uh, will help solidify Stafford's case as, like, now truly one of the possibly, like, elite quarterbacks. Because, yeah, I mean, yeah, he has the picks and everyone, oh, he's just a numbers guy, right? Richard Sherman today, oh, he doesn't have the, you know, what else does he have besides this one thing or whatever? But to make a throw like that in the fourth quarter, you know, down you need a touchdown to win the game and not only to have like the confidence but the ability to do that as well uh in that scenario i don't know that just impressed me so much so much more um for him to be able to do that but yeah i mean it was a great super bowl though i thought it was really exciting um we've been getting a lot of good ones recently so kind of glad um I kind of want to piggyback off that that throw. So doesn't it feel like every Super Bowl, at least close Super Bowl, when mm-hmm. the team has to go for like a game-winning drive, yeah. there's always that one signature play. One play. Like a Ty- David Tyree or the Julian Edelman, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of catch. So I guess that kind of – that's Stafford's golden moment. I think his that's his golden drive, moment, right? man. Because that's that got to so- be it. Like they didn't, it was happening so fast right at that point. No one really no, noticed until they released that 4K shot from. And I was just like, oh my God. He legit no looked it to Cup um, in that moment. I just, I was like, are you kidding me? Um, for them to pull that out. Just an, uh, that was great stuff. And of course, he had to go to Cup, right? On the fade route. On. Who else <laughs> but Eli Apple? They were attacking him all game. You know, it was weird, though. Jalen Ramsey was getting attacked a lot, too, it seemed like. Joe Burrow was not afraid to go after Jalen Ramsey, and he got burned, too. Um, so even, you know, that last drive, obviously, Aaron Donald gets home on fourth down, right? But even on that play, if Joe had even, like, a sliver more time, R- Ramsey's Chase. burnt. Chase burns him down the sideline <laughs> touchdown. for a touchdown. Uh, but, you know, that's why Aaron Donald's, you know, Aaron Donald um, probably will go down as a top five, if not top three defensive player of all time at this point. Uh, I was listening today to um, Colin Cowherd. He had, he had Shannon on, uh, yeah. or, you know, this, or this, yeah, yesterday, sorry. Um, and, you know, even Shannon said, I think when it's all said and done, uh, you know, Donald might be right behind Lawrence Taylor is like the greatest defensive players to ever play football, which is a crazy accomplishment. But I mean, now at this point now, Donald has everything, you know, he has all the accolades, all the awards, the consistency, um, has the ring and has the signature moment. So, you know, he kind of has everything you need for, to solidify his legacy, um obviously matt's gonna hope that he retires or 
maybe goes to Dallas or something else. But uh, yeah, what a great Super Bowl, man! I don't know. I I had a lot of fun. I was I was getting a little, you know, it's a little under the influence at times. You know, obviously Super Bowl party, we're having fun, but uh, <clears throat> no, it was a great Super Bowl. I, I I thought this was a good one. Um, I don't want to talk about Stafford. I mean, what did you? How, who who do you think was the? I mean, obviously the Rams won the game, but yeah, if you kind of had to grade Stafford and Burrow's performance, like if you had to give them a letter grade, what would you give both of them? Well, this is tough because obviously it's not they're not playing with the same, you know, like we said, right? It was going to be one in the trenches. The line was going to be huge. The game plan was going to be huge. Um, you know, Stafford, I think this game literally personified Matt Stafford, uh, in an F, you know, in an essence. So, you know, he has, he looks good early. There's some bumps in the road. Um, you know, the two picks, I get the first one he threw up to Van Jefferson, not probably the worst thing you could do. Like, you know, if he took a sack fumble, uh, in that situation, but, you know, he was kind of just throwing it up for grabs. Obviously, you want to get points there if you can. Um, his second pick that he threw, I mean, went right off his receiver's hands, right? And that I think that that's on the receivers and the, that lack of experience there. So kind of hard to, to grade him there. Um, they had no run game whatsoever. The Rams had no run game, and they kept trying it. So, you know, Stafford's forced into these second, third, and longs. Um, but I, I don't know. I got to say, when it came down to it, he he delivered. I would give Stafford probably B, probably a B plus for this game. Uh, you know, A minus, he'd have to, or A, I guess, if he was a little more flawless, I guess. I mean, I know he won the game and he did well, but, um, you know, maybe he could have done more. I don't know. Uh, Burrow. I think this was a good learning experience for Joe. Um, what would I give him? Probably like a, I don't know, C plus maybe. I mean, cause I don't think he played terrible, but I also think that, you know, that one pass to Higgins was pretty lucky, honestly, if we're being honest, that play might not have counted. Um, they were going through the run a lot. But at the same time, you can't put it all on him. I wouldn't give him an F or a D or anything because his line was just getting manhandled at the end of the game. Um, so I'll give Joe Burrow like a C plus. Uh, I think he played well enough to where, you know, another team, different situation, he probably wins. But with the game plan and the players that the Rams had, I think it was just too much. Because, I mean, even Von Miller, right? Von Miller was unleashed again. He was getting home too. He had two sacks as well. So we haven't even talked about him, but I, I thought his impact on the game was huge, huge too, you know? Um, so, I mean, just Joe going up against all that second year, no line coaches and running. Ah, I don't think you could put it all on him. So that's a fair assessment. Yeah. I think Stafford played pretty well. Um, you know, kind of like what you said, his first interception, I saw it more as like a punt because they were in third and long. They weren't really in field goal range, you know, throw it up in the end zone, you know, either maybe you get a flag or, you know, obviously 
possibly catch that. So it wasn't the worst thing in the world. And that second pick was, um, yeah, that was on Skoranek. I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> you got to catch that ball. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if you noticed that I thought Stafford, out of those two plays, I thought he was really accurate. And the one throw that I was kind of, I wouldn't say maybe not more impressed, but it was right up there with that no-look pass. Was that was, the, um, the one down the sideline to Henderson? Is yeah, that, that yeah. bootleg. He bootlegs bootleg. to the right, yeah. and he throws it all the way back to the left. Over the, right over over the linebacker. Uh, was it Wilson, Logan Wilson? Yeah, I think so. I think one of the linebackers. I was yeah. like, oh my gosh. I, I remember, yep. Yeah, that was a dime. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was a... Because Dak can't make that throw. <laughs> yeah, he like, just because wow. he dropped it right in right to Henderson too, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember Perfect that play. Pass. And you know, when the all the chips are pushed in the middle, you know, he got that game winning drive. So I would actually give him an A minus. I mean, he was pretty solid. Joe, I don't. I mean, I wasn't really too. He, I mean, he didn't turn the ball over, but he. You know, outside of the two big plays, so he goes forty-six yards to chase in the first, or what was that? The third drive. Yeah, well, the yeah, first third time. drive, and then he throws that seventy-five yarder to Higgins. So that's I did the math. That's one hundred twenty-one yards right there. Yeah, on two plays. And the rest of the game, the Bengals had one hundred eighty-four yards, and seventy-five of those came from Joe Mixon on the ground. So. Yeah, you know that's what 110 yards, basically yeah. the whole game, not not too efficient, especially when you got you know you got Boyd, who also did have a kind of a big drop at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Higgins, you got Uzama was you know in the game. You got Chase obviously, so probably give him a C minus. Just wasn't enough plays to be made. So, props to Matthew Stafford. But yeah, I gotta was, give, I, gotta was, give him his flowers, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was impressed. I mean, his Hawaii, he beat Hawaii, so he's legit now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that cements that we lost to a legit quarterback in the Super All Bowl. All right, yeah. I mean, he did. You know, plus that type of guy too. It's almost like a, it's okay. It's not like a Dame situation, but he was loyal to Detroit for a long time. You know, he and it's hard. He's you're in Detroit. Like you're not winning, um, even though you think you know you could be good, you just will might never know if you stay in Detroit. Uh, but you know, Rams made the big move, and I mean, hey, in the first year too, right? He he got the job done. So, gotta give props to to Stafford. Um, yeah, I th- I think he did he did pretty well. Um, let's see, I think. That was all my big ones that I want to talk about, at least for this game. All um, right, I got I, we got a couple more that I want to talk about then. <laughs> oh, oh, after uh, this is post game stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, you, all right. You, can go for it. you want me to go? All right, so let's talk about the Super Bowl MVP. There's a lot of discussion on who should have won versus who actually won. So Cooper Cup ends up being the Super Bowl MVP. Um, I want to know what your take is because there's a lot of people that are saying Aaron Donald should have won Super Bowl MVP, possibly Von Miller. Obviously you got given Stafford. It to Stafford too, I think, honestly. Yeah, Stafford. Oh, I mean, I guess it's kind of hard to say. Um 
there's really ah, does it really matter who won MVP at that point? I mean, I guess Cup. It's had, more of a legacy award now. Yeah, it's a point. legacy award. He did have two touchdowns, eight catches for ninety-two yards. That's a solid game. Um, and he made a couple big plays, but MVP. It's just it's the classic discussion, right? Of what does the MVP mean? Any sport, right? Football, especially this debating on basketball, right? Does it go to the best player in that game slash season? Or does it go to what you would consider most valuable to the team, right? In that situation. Um, I don't know. I think it's kind of hard because I think Stafford should have got a vote. I think you just see those two interceptions, though. And it kind of, it's hard to give it because it's kind of a stats thing too, right, at that point. Um, but I thought, yeah, St- Stafford played well enough to to possibly win that. I mean, you figure, hey, if he goes three touchdowns for 283 yards, no picks, right? Does he, does that make him win the MVP? Uh, Donald obviously had all those pressures, had the sacks uh, and the big, game literal game ceiling play at the end there too right uh maybe i'm by quarterback bias i might have given it to stafford honestly uh even donald i could have given to i don't have a problem with cup because it's just i mean he was producing for them you know he had the two touchdowns had the big catches too uh, i don't know though but you can't you can't catch the ball without the quarterback period it's not like you know he's um he had he had a couple of big you know broken tackles here and there but uh i don't know maybe i'm just biased i like quarterbacks so maybe i'd give it to stafford or donald over cup that's just me all right yeah that's fair i do want to say that before this game started i did make a bold prediction that Aaron yep. donald would win super bowl mvp <laughs> so i wasn't really totally off from it but you know after this whole game played out I think they got it right with the MVP. I definitely <laughs> Cooper Cup, he is he is so good. And the way I, I look at this MVP, it's you know, Cooper Cup, everybody knows he's he's the man, you know, yeah, as the receiver. That's true too. And that's the when that's Odell like the, yeah. when Odell goes down, everything is now centered about him. So the whole state the whole world knows that, you know. It's either Cooper Cup or nothing. And really, that's how the game kind of was when Odell, you know, after he went out, you know, Van Jefferson, I thought he was going to make a bigger impact. Didn't really have the the splash plays, you know. Uh, Bryson Hopkins had some, you know, nice catches here and there. But, you know, when the money was on the line and Stafford needed, you know, to deliver, who was the guy that stepped up for him was number 10. I think he caught every pass on that last try. <laughs> I swear they I just mean, said, yeah. All right, I mean, forget it. It's Matt, fine, Cooper. Go back to your bread is. and butter. And it's like, you know, the catches that he made, I mean, obviously the no look was probably more Stafford, but there's another catch that he made between two, two defenders. He yeah. literally got sandwiched. Yeah. It was only like an eight-yard gain, I think, for like mm-hmm. on first down. But I was like, oh, my gosh, like he made that catch. And then he gets absolutely laid out in the end zone, like, mm-hmm. you know, helmet to helmet. Yeah. And, then, you know, obviously 
that play gets offset because <laughs> it was a holding penalty on the Rams. But I mean, he he showed to me, you know, that's what a true number one receiver is supposed to do. Like, you know, you gotta, you know, when you need help, when you need that drive, you know, who's your quarterback gonna go to? And he he proved. I mean, he didn't really prove it to me because I already knew he could do it. But yeah, he just showed like. He's the best receiver in football. I can't even really. Okay, I'll he's say, the best receiver. In football. Okay, we'll we'll revisit that during this off season, and uh, we'll have a little. He he he's earned the right rankings. to have that. He's earned the right as of now to have that title. Okay, I think. Okay, I mean, especially after the record breaking season he had too. Um, okay, I don't agree with that, but we'll, we'll come back to that. Um. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Okay, so yeah, we got to cut the MVP. Um, let's see, so then I guess the other news coming out of this one too, right? Now the future of Aaron Donald and Sean McVay are up in the air. Um, this kind of kind of caught retire. everyone, yeah, caught <laughs> everyone by surprise. But um, as of now, it seems like Aaron Donald and Sean McVay's future are. I think they're both undecided. They don't really know. If they want to continue, uh, you know, their careers, at least down this path, Sean McVay is thinking about exploring other avenues uh, in the business. Aaron Donald, I mean, Aaron Donald could retire today. He'll be first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, There's no doubt about that. So at this point, it's probably just about, you know, health, family. Uh, Does he want to just make more money? Does he want to stay in L.A.? kind of all that is going to come into play, but I don't think there's a wrong answer for whatever he does. Cause it, there's a, there's no doubt in my mind. He's a first ballot hall of famer. If you were to retire today. Um, so maybe it's just about expanding the legacy at this point. Obviously I don't want to see him retire. I love watching him. Matt hates it because he's uh, going to be in the Cowboys path uh, for the foreseeable future as well as Sean McVay. So I know selfishly you want them to retire, but um, I don't know. You think they retire? I don't think they retire. Sean McVay, I think, I don't think he's going to retire. I think he kind of hinted in his post game, like he's probably going to come back. The one that was kind of interesting was uh, Aaron Donald though. Like when, uh, who was it? Uh, what is Michelle Tafoya? I think she was the one that interviewed Donald after the game. She straight up asked him like, are you going to retire? Like, what are you going to do? And he said, you know, I'm going to take some time and, you know, just enjoy the moment. Yeah. He didn't really, I mean, you know, he didn't really say, oh, yeah, I'm running it back. You know, like like when they interviewed Brady last year when they won, they asked him, oh, like, are you coming back? And he's like, you already know that. Like, <laughs> so there wasn't really a definitive answer. So I'm like, mm, I mean, it's something to to think about. I definitely see. Obviously, I'm crossing my fingers so hard right now. Aaron Donald, please retire. Save your body. You did enough. You know, go take care of your family. Be a family. Be a husband. Be a father. <laughs> Time to ride off. You can ride off into the sunset. Oh. Do the Peyton Manning, man. Uh, yeah, well, that'll be interesting. We'll definitely keep up with that this offseason. Um, and it was just a good day to be around, man. Like, good Good day to be a Rams player, Van Jefferson. So literally after the game ended, you know, he's celebrating on the field with his kids. 
And then one of the Rams, you know, someone from, I don't know, his agent or someone within the organization comes up to him and says, your wife's in labor right now. He's like, oh, okay. So he's like talking to his kids like, hey, guys, mom's about to. Uh, you saw the audio? Yeah, he's about to, <laughs> mom's about to have a kid. We got to go. And the kids are like, huh? What? Why do we have to leave? Like, you're going to get a baby brother. Oh, but why do we have to leave? <laughs> I was just, I was like, oh, it's so cute. But then he's like, he rushed out of the stadium. So, man, good for Van Jefferson. He seems like a good dude throughout the all the mic'd up stuff that I've heard throughout him or for him throughout the season. Obviously, playing-wise, he's going to have to step up a little bit more to stay on that roster. That's going to be an interesting roster if Robert Woods comes back. Cooper Cup, if Odell wants to stay, uh, it's going to be a crowded receiver room there in L.A., uh, but I guess we'll have to see. Um, let's see. Oh, and then going off that, Taylor Rapp, the safety, he proposed to his girlfriend after the game and now has a fiancé, so another dude gets two rings. I don't know how about you. Two rings you on the feel- same day. Yeah, I don't know how you feel about this. Personally, I wouldn't propose, like, right after any kind of game. Like, you win anything, baseball, football, basketball, hockey. I don't really care. But, like, maybe this is just me. Maybe I'm, like, a soft romantic. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too romantic. But don't you want to, like, have those on different days? Like, that's a lot to, like you know celebrate and you're celebrating like it's the best day of your life you just want a championship you know that's literally probably your career goal and then you want to get married or like propose right after that it's like i don't know i would just take the time just enjoy all of you know the championship soak all that in um like you know you're gonna be be with your team be with the city be with the fans you're in la you know, I'm sure there's some crazy parties that everyone went to after the game. Like, enjoy all of that stuff. And then, you know, like, later on, then you propose. You know, like, I don't know. I wouldn't propose. That's like, that's like hitting a walk-off home run, celebrating with your team, and you get down on the knee, and then you propose to your girlfriend. So you got two things going on. It's like, it's like, it's just a lot, man. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. I'm a sports guy. So it's like, if I win a championship, that's all I care about at that moment. Right. Like I don't, I could care less about anything else at that point. Right. You just want to celebrate with your family, your teammates, you know, coaches. I think you just leave the sports with the sports. And then, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, if you know, you're also riding, from- you're also riding like a super like adrenaline high. Yeah. So you're just like, Oh, I'm so happy. Like, you know, I'm just going to do whatever I want right now. And, you know, maybe he woke up, Today he was like, "Oh shit! Like, maybe I shouldn't have done that." Okay, well, obviously he I could have rehearsed probably, it. He was probably I mean, planning it though, right? Like, oh, if we win, I'm proposing, kind of thing. There's, you don't just keep the ring on you. <laughs> like, it's not like he had the ring in his, like, you know, unless he was planning to propose. But that's why I'm like, I don't know, man. Just like, that's like, um, if. When you have your birthday, he wouldn't, on Christmas, propose, he wouldn't propose if they lost. So it's well, like, you gotta think of I it guess. as the, on the day, right? Yeah. Unless, you know, like, I mean, I don't know, like, their situation, obviously, but it could have been like, there's some stuff going on, you know, like, 
this is like a for sure way she's gonna like you can't say no after you like win the super bowl right like <laughs> i don't know i don't know i'm just uh, kidding taylor yeah. f you smart guy man <laughs> <laughs> one way to for sure secure the dub fresh sure. off the super bowl uh victory you propose so i don't know maybe that's just how he was feeling maybe his wife just loves football too i don't know i wouldn't do it though um let's see um and then just some other quick hitters before we leave this one so now this marks eight straight times that um the winning team does not win the opening kickoff so it's kind of weird how that like works i guess um because you would think they would they probably deferred right to each time so maybe getting the ball in the second half like does that even make that big of an impact on the game at this point um well, it kind of did for the Bengals in this one <laughs> i mean it did but they got that they still lost <laughs> so kind of weird stuff there um we don't really need to touch on the betting stuff. I mean, it was heads. Congrats. It was blue Gatorade. Congrats. <laughs> there was a touchback to start the opening kickoff. Congrats. Um, now we can't bet. Odell it. scored the first touchdown. Congrats. Oh, Drake. First, oh, yeah. Shout out Drake. Oh, we forgot. I almost forgot about this. Good one. Yeah. Oh, Drake cashed out. He hit both. He hit the Rams money line and he hit the Odell. Oh, but he had one. He had a third one, actually. So he hit the touchdown, Odell, anytime touchdown. He hit the uh, Rams money line. But I think he also had like a Odell over so many yards or something. And I think was he it was... Was yards? Yeah, but he got hurt, was, though. It was only like 60. I swear, oh, really? it was like 60 yards and he had like 52 yeah, like 59 or, 50, or something. 53. Yeah. Like he, he was like less than 10 yards off. Yeah. <laughs> but then, Drake, dude, Drake is betting like millions in Bitcoin. And I'm just like... Like, dude, we'll be lucky to make a million. Yeah, just donate <laughs> <in> our life. <laughs> oh, but you know, good for them. Good for the Rams. Good for LA. LA kind of on a little championship run in here in the past uh, three years or so. You know, we got my Dodgers, got my Lakers. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a Rams fan, but good for LA. You know, um, LeBron's trying to get in on that that parade. Yeah, yeah, I would love to see the joint parade, man. That'd be so good. Um, who knows? Maybe I'll fly up for that. It'd be fun. Uh, but in a, okay, so I guess it's still part of the game. But I want to talk about the halftime show a little bit, right? Oh um, yeah, we got it. That's, dude, that's what basically everybody else watches, right? Dude, the halftime the non, show. The non-football watchers. I thought they that's did. What they're gonna watch. Right? Yeah, I thought they did a really good job. Like you could tell, even the production was super well thought out. Like. How they were showing it on TV, it like the cameras and the angles, everything tra- transitioned like super smoothly for a like live performance. I thought, um, obviously, Fifty Cent made the like his surprise appearance, um, but I mean, it looked like it was bumping. Everyone was bumping to it. I thought it was a great show. Uh, so. I guess, Matt, let's do our uh, top five. So me and Matt are going to run down just really quickly. Uh, our top five Super Bowl halftime performances of the past mm, 12 years. So we said we'll go back to 2010. 
All right. Um, Shall I kick it off then? Yeah, you kick it off. What's your go? Go I'll from five to one, right? You know, All right. right? We don't gotta. Yeah. Know. Yeah. You're not right. Yeah. I forget. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Randy. All right. I don't remember what Super Bowl number this is, but number five, I got Lady Gaga. <laughs> what? She was she was pretty good. This I thought, list I thought, is already invalid. I, I'm not I even thought, listening to the rest. I of thought this. because. You know, obviously she had that kind of interesting entrance where she kind of like yeah, came she down like from the building. Skydives. But I thought, I mean, the things that I like about Super Bowl halftime shows is, you know, the good ones to me are the ones that can like kind of perform. You know, they're mm-hmm. not strictly singers. And, you know, she's, she's a performer. And I will say it's, you know, she had a pretty long halftime show. I think it was about maybe 15 minutes, but that's, I guess that's what everyone kind of does. Yeah. But it was just her like she had the whole whole spotlight to herself and you know she kind of has that that poppy you know music genre so you know i thought she got the crowd engaged and you know for us you know we're kind of in that younger generation of music right so she kind of falls into our our time so i'll i'll throw her at number five okay actually that's fair she was close she was close number four i got the queen Queen B, you know, kind of similar breakdown. You know, she's a performer. You know, she can't. She can sing, obviously. I mean, some of the songs that she has are, I don't know how she sings it, dude. While she's like um, dancing like that, yeah. I and do- her dance moves are literally okay, yeah. insane. Yeah, she's probably the best performer, at least. So I got her at four. Number three, I got Coldplay, and that features Beyonce and Bruno. Okay. That one was super Dude, hype. That one was super good. That one was, I think that was my third favorite. Okay. I mean, just the mix of Coldplay, kind of like that slow, you know, happy feel. And you got Bruno and Beyonce coming in with the thunder, you know. That was that was epic. Yeah. Number two. Yeah. All right. Number two. I got Dr. Dre, Snoop, Kendrick, Mary J. Blige, and Oh, Eminem and 50 Cent. I thought mm-hmm. this Super Bowl was epic. <laughs> I thought the entrance was was so fire. <laughs> but <laughs> the next episode and then that transition to California Love. Yeah. Uh, that was so good. Also, I didn't realize how good Eminem is as a live performer. Dude, he's good. He's yeah, he so sounds good. exactly the same as he does in his songs. Like, exactly. Like, damn, yeah, he's super good. Kendrick, I thought Kendrick was good too. Yeah, I do. I thought they all killed it. Yeah, Fifty Cent was, was the only one that was kind of like a. I mean, that's Fifty though. Me. He's not like yeah. that, like super hype up. Like that's not his. That's not his music. Yeah, and everyone's kind of roasting him because he's he's upset. Yeah. Well, what did they other, call him a his dollar wage. or something. He's looking like a dollar fifty or something. Seventy five cent or something. <laughs> But yeah, this one, yeah, this Super Bowl halftime show was knocking at number one for me. It was kind of close, but number one, gotta go at Bruno. I mean, he's the man. I, I mean, I don't really know what else to say. He's probably to me like when he sings, he sounds the exact same as mm-hmm. it does on you know Spotify or iTunes. So yeah, Bruno, you're still the king, but you almost got dethroned. <laughs> So that's my top five. Okay. 
Let's see was, how much differences we have. It was I guess it's closer than I thought. Okay, well, I don't have Lady Gaga. Maybe that's just because I'm biased. I don't know. Um, so mine top five. Um, okay, you're gonna clown me for this one. I have the weekend at number five. I thought that one was like not bad. Maybe really? just because I I don't know if it's because I like his music. The hmm. like the visuals were kind of weird, right? Like uh he like how the camera and stuff was. But I thought like it was like you know he he's like a performer, um. So I don't know. Maybe it's just because I I like his music too. Maybe so. Nah, maybe I'm biased. I don't know. His music uh, is is good. His his uh camera thing got me really nauseous. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> See, that's the only thing. Uh oh, shoot. Yeah, that's that was kind of on the cusp for me, but whatever. I made my list. All right. So number five, I had. The weekend at number five and number four, I had. I don't know, maybe. Shoot, you have me rethinking my list now. That um, two, three, four, five. Uh, you know what? All right, whatever. Number four, I'm gonna have to put in. I think I'm gonna have to go with J Lo and Shakira, man. They were super. I thought okay. they were. I thought they were really good. Um, no, that that was a close one for me with Lady Gaga. I, yeah, I don't know. I Shakira I had to throw was, in, she killed it. Shakira, dude, yeah, killed Shakira it. killed it. Um, like they are performers too. Like they're. I think J Lo's a little better dancer, honestly, than she is a singer. But Shakira, like, um, she sounds. I thought she sounded so good, um, in all her songs too uh so that's my my number four number three i got um the cold play beyonce and bruno mars too uh because i thought that one was super good when they all started like popping out of the woodworks like oh like oh this is so good uh so yeah i'll agree with you there and then i'm just gonna switch your number two and number one i thought like this new one just barely beat bruno out um okay it was kind of close but like like you said yeah bruno was so good especially that super bowl i was already so sad um <laughs> watching that game so i was like ah oh, peyton's getting his butt kicked you know at least bruno's halftime show was super good so i'm, I'm pretty happy about that um but you know me like i'm a hip-hop guy i like you know i like hip-hop and i thought they all played like their like og songs too not just their like newer songs like sometimes happens right like they'll play their newer albums and it's kind of like eh. uh but, nobody but knows really, the song yet. yeah you yeah. really want to hear their old stuff and they all played like their good stuff and i thought the camera work was super good their entrances uh and choreography was just like on point maybe it's because they're in la i don't i don't really know what was going on but all their transition how they transitioned everything how each individual artist you know it's hard to perform with that many people too um but everyone was so in sync and they had a nice flow to it so i don't know that's that's my reasoning so that's my top five um yeah that was pretty fun that's a pretty good list yeah yeah the only one i question is the weekend but (laughs) no yeah see i think i think i think you Maybe know, I'm on Shakira, the now. Shakira, that I can. That's a good one. Her hips don't yeah. lie too. So yeah. 
Dang, as Riley, re- as my, Riley says. Yeah, I'm rethinking my weekend one now. Ah, oh, whatever. All right, All right, All right next Super Bowl, we can update our list. <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll update our list. Um, let's see. Okay, so uh, enough Super Bowl. Um, we don't have to touch on the NFL awards too much. Um, we'll just kind of touch on it. I don't know if you had anything you really wanted to talk about. Uh, no, I, I got one. I got one thing I want to talk about. Okay. Well, Aaron Rodgers won MVP. Uh, Cooper Cup won Offensive Player of the Year. TJ Watt won Defensive Player of the Year. That's and... where I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you right there. No, See? no. <laughs> so I have nothing against TJ Watt. He is, you know, a top five defender in the league. But there, <laughs> there is one player that I think. Should have got that award. That's eleven from oh heaven, baby. Oh my god! Eleven so from biased. heaven should have won this award. And I'm only <sighs> speaking on the t- the impact that he has on the whole defense. Pittsburgh's defense is really good. T.J. Watt, yes, he's the main. You know, he's the catalyst. But if you take him out, you still got those playmakers that can you know impact the game. Obviously, you know, we got Minka, you got Cam Hayward, who's a Pro Bowl lineman. So you got all these athletes, and then, you know, TJ Watt is the, he's the head of the snake. You guys got Trayvon Diggs? There's, (laughs) but Micah Parsons, this man literally carries the entire defense. Without him, they, obviously we saw what they were without him. They basically had the same team, uh, same defense last year in terms of players and they were the worst defense in the nfl yeah but that was before dan quinn too you, you don't think any credit should go to dan quinn for helping scheme up some of that he also yeah and he won assistant coach of the year which see totally exactly agree. so let's see matt who has more of an impact do you think a coach that is in charge of the entire defense or one rookie player that's just really fast Hmm. fast and strong and athletic that can do everything on the field tj watt is a pure pass rusher michael parsons he he doesn't just rush the passer and the fact that he had 13 sacks is it's mind-boggling to me because he doesn't rush the passer at all <laughs> he barely rushes the passer as he what should do you mean he barely rushes the pass he does He's, not barely rush the passer there's only he only lined up on the edge like consistently it was um like the what game was that the chargers game and the uh what was the it was basically the games where demarcus lawrence wasn't playing i'll put it at that that was where he was strictly playing the edge if you want to talk about impact, obviously Aaron Donald might have the most impact. He's taking up two linemen on every play almost. And if he's not, he's getting a sack. He's got Jalen Ramsey. He's got Von Miller. He's got Leonard Floyd. Von Miller's going to the Hall of Fame. Jalen Ramsey's going to the Hall of Fame. Leonard Floyd, Pro Bowl player last year. Oh my God. Key contributor. All I got to say is he's going to... This man is going to win the defensive player of the year next year. I'm going to say that. Okay. You know He's going to get what I he buy. deserves. I'll buy He's going to get what he deserves. You know what? Fine. I'll take that one. I will accept next year, but I thought TJ Watt deserved it this year. The impact that he had. Um, 
Oh, we're rubbing up some Skip and Shannon vibes right anyway, now. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> you're insane. Anyway, um, and then shout out uh, Vrabel, Coach of the Year, Burrow, Comeback Player of the Year, and Andrew Whitworth, Walter Payton Man of the Year. But all right, you know what? We talked enough about football. It's good football. Good end to the regular or, or end to the this NFL season. It's going to be a really interesting off season. Uh, we don't know exactly what's going on. Uh, who knows? Tommy might come back. We don't know. I guess we'll see. Uh, it's going to be real interesting. Though. A lot of teams looking for quarterbacks. The Washington is what? What are they? The com- Commanders now? Commanders. The Washington Command. <laughs> what the. All right, I like football team better than the commanders, but we got some new names, new teams. Uh, it's gonna be an interesting one. So yeah, we will we'll keep you updated there. Uh, but you know what? Let's let's transition over to the NBA. So we need to address it. You know, I was half right on predictions. Matt was just pretty much all wrong on his stuff. At least I got the the Super Bowl thing right. Um, but literally the day before the trade deadline, we put out our podcast saying we don't think Ben Simmons or James Harden are going to get traded for each other. Then we wake up the next morning. Surprise, they got traded. So we were wrong there. Um, yes, we don't know as much as we thought we did. We're getting a little cocky. I'm not going to lie. Um, but anyway, so reacting to that trade. <sighs> Like we were kind of touching on, it's probably good for both players. Um, even, you know, basketball scheme-wise, fit-wise, probably for their mental health-wise, chemistry-wise. I think it makes sense for both sides. Um, I'm kind of curious, Matt, though. Who do you think won the trade on this one? I'm going to say, I mean... Theoretically, I think both, <laughs> because if you look at it from the Sixers perspective or yeah, from their perspective, you know, they get James Harden, you know, basically you swap James Harden for Ben Simmons. That's the star, the star trade in the players. Right. So Ben Simmons wasn't even playing this year. So the Sixers, you know, you basically add James Harden. And it's not like Ben Simmons was going to play for them anyway. So they would, he would just be sitting on the bench. So you basically get James Harden, like for quote unquote nothing, if you put it that way. So I think, you know, obviously Daryl Morey is getting a lot of hate from uh, Stephen A saying that's the worst trade that he could have made. But, you know, I, I think Ben Simmons sitting on the bench is no good. That's probably the worst thing you can do is leave a star on the bench. So. He turned it into James Harden, which is a good move. And then, you know, you look at it from the Nets perspective, I think that's a good fit for, you know, Ben. Um, you know, the type of player that he is, he doesn't need the ball. He's a pass-first guy. And he's got two, you know, deadly scorers at Kyrie and KD. That's if Kyrie's able to play. <laughs> that's true. But assuming he plays, you know, they got a lot of spacing. They included Seth Curry, who's a sniper. Huge. That's a, I mean, he's a good, he, I like Seth Huge Curry. Pickup. He's a, he's a clutch shooter. And they you got know. Drummond. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. They got a big, you know, a guy who's going to dominate the board. So everybody else can, you know, run in transition. So I think everybody got better. So I think both of them won the trade. 
Well, I was more on that like Stephen A. boat kind of thing. Uh, I thought Brooklyn fleeced the Sixers, dude. I mean, okay, not only do you get Ben Simmons, who we know, you know, his confidence wasn't there. We don't know what kind of player he's going to be, right? Um, but I think he adds defense and playmaking um, at 6'10", big body, you know, just another rebounder in there. Um, but I thought them adding Seth Curry and Andre Drummond just for this year, too, is huge because they've been without Joe Harris, right? Patty Mills has been a good piece for them. Um, but he's not, you know, obviously he can shoot, but he's not known as like a sniper necessarily kind of, you know, more, more of a scorer, like that second option scorer who can go off, um, at a moment's notice, but I think also getting Drummond too, to come off the bench, um, they can, they have a lot of size now. Um, they have, they still have Aldridge. They got uh, Blake in there when Katie and Kyrie and Ben are on the floor. That's a deadly five with, you know. You can have Seth Drummond, uh, Patty Mills running the point in that second unit. Uh, I don't know. I think it was great for Brooklyn. They were able to get depth. Um, and you know how they were playing. They only, I mean, the three of them only played the three, meaning, you know, Katie, Kyrie and Harden. They only played 16 games together. That's anyway. crazy. That's crazy. Um, and they won 13 of those 16 games and, you know, they weren't even all playing together. So I don't, it's hard to say behind the scenes, right? We kind of figured when this happened, when the trade happened, you got three personalities like that. Yeah, okay, maybe they say they want to play together, but we just know each player's kind of history. Um, just And, you know, with attitude and stuff. So, I don't know. I, it was kind of hard to say if it was ever going to work. I'd never thought it was going to work uh, as talented as they were on the basketball court, but... Yeah, I thought Brooklyn completely came out of this trade better. And I think it'll help them a lot if Ben is able to start playing like right after the All-Star break. Uh, hopefully KD comes back healthy too. So, yeah, it's going to be – I think it's going to be interesting, but I think Brooklyn definitely won the trade. Um, you think kind of like a side note, do you think Brooklyn is tanking so they can have more games at Kyrie? <laughs> I didn't even think about they that. They lost I like don't... 10. How many games there? Like at least 10, right? Something? Was it 11? They're now? in double digits right now. Oh. So if they get in as the eight seed, Kyrie can at least play four games. <laughs> and you need four games to win a series. I guess that's true. Um, I don't know if they're tanking or they just are not. They don't also, have KD depth. is not playing too. So let's... Yeah, they don't have depth right now. Um. Nah, it's kind of hard to say. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I'll ask one more question. Do you think those or that trade will push either one of those teams to win the title? Because that's what it all comes down to. Right. Okay, so the way I see it, I've been kind of more – I've been an Embiid fan or believer at least um, for a while. I just think, like, he gets better every time after every season. Um, kind of how I feel about Giannis, but so I like I like Embiid. Um, I think he shoots a little bit too much uh, than I would like, though. I think he needs to use his post moves a little more. Harden, though, it's it's hard to be sold on Harden as a winner. If I'm just being honest. Uh, you know, he's had his moments. He's had his chances. 
in elimination games, uh, you know, to step up and show he's the guy. But there's something about, I don't know if it's the way he carries himself on the court, his body language. There's something that I'm not sold on there that he's, you know, going to be that clutch guy on either, you know, even on both ends of the floor. Like, as we've seen, you know, the best players in the league can do it on both both sides, right? They can play offense. Obviously, they can score. But, you know, they're, they're there to make the big defensive stop too, right? Whether it's, you know, LeBron when he wants to, Kawhi when he's healthy. You know, the list goes kind of on and on unless, you know, Steph, I mean, he tries still. Like, you, you can always tell the effort is there with Steph, right? Steph or, like, Dame or some of these other guys, they're not as big. But there's just sometimes I – um, feel like Harden's effort, um, you know, it might not be in the crucial situations, but that attitude, man, it, it can really affect the team. So I don't, I don't know if I'm as sold on them. I do like, I do think this helps Brooklyn a lot more, uh, gives them depth and shooting because Miami and Milwaukee uh, look good. Oh, Giannis just dropped a 50 piece today uh, and he's like pulling up mid range too. So it's kind of the league's worst nightmare, right? Like when Giannis starts getting hot. I don't I don't know. What what did you think? I, I think this helps Brooklyn way more though. I'll just say that. I think so too. Um, I still think Milwaukee is the team to beat in the East. And I think they're I mean, as of February 15th, I think they're gonna come out of the East again. Uh, yeah, east I, I, I'm just so not a I'm just not though. a I'm just not a hardened. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. I don't think ISO ball, you know, propels you to win a championship. Like, you got to get everybody involved. And <laughs> I mean, they saw that report that, you know, Kevin Durant and Harden had their disputes about the style of play. So KD wanted, you know, team oriented, quote unquote, warrior basketball, mm-hmm. sharing the ball, moving it around. And then Harden wanted the ISO. ISO ball and it just doesn't yeah it can win you games gonna you know you're gonna put up stats but you know teams are gonna figure you out in a seven game series how to shut you down and if you put you know Philadelphia against Milwaukee on paper Milwaukee has their lockdown guy that can take he's gonna take James Harden he's he's not gonna be afraid of him that's Drew Holiday yeah and I think you know the Bucks, the one thing they have, you know, is size, especially with Giannis. You know, you got Giannis. They got Sergi Baca, which is a really underrated acquisition. Bobby Portis is Bobby Portis is balling. Brooke Lopez didn't even come back yet. So they got a lot of size to, you know, different bodies to throw out and beat. So and then, you know, obviously Brooklyn, I just think, you know, with Kyrie being a part-time player, it's just you need chemistry. You gotta be on the floor. You got to be on the floor to develop some kind of rhythm. You know, KD is obviously hurt right now. So, you know, the Bucks have their core, you know, Holiday, Middleton, and Giannis. And if they stay healthy, it's going to be tough to knock them out of the East, I think. Yeah. The East is going to be so fun, though. So just for perspective, 1 through 12 in the East are separated by 12 games. That's crazy. The East is so close compared to the West. How far are the Lakers out? (laughs) The Lakers are 21 games out of first place. The West is so top-heavy right now. One through 10 is 23 games. 
a 23 and a half game. So it's really, you know, the East one through 10 is super close. Um, whereas in the West, it's kind of Phoenix, Golden State, and I guess Memphis, even Memphis is seven games out. Uh, Phoenix is looks crazy good right now with how Book is playing. Um, obviously, the Warriors are still figuring things out, you know. Um, but, oh, Phoenix looks scary. Like, they figured something out uh, from last year. And it's going to be interesting to see them in the playoffs, too. But it really feels like out of the West, Phoenix, Golden State, and Memphis, maybe Utah's there. Uh, kind of, but I think those top three teams are really it's going to come down to one of those three teams to come out of the West. Uh, Memphis, more of the dark horse, but I think we could see a Golden State Phoenix uh, Western Conference final. Whereas in the East, I have no clue. I like the Bucks coming out of the East, but there are a lot of good teams, uh, in the East too. I mean, even Boston, it they've won nine straight now. Boston's won nine straight, they're only three and a half games back of first. Um, and there's a six seed, so. <laughs> It, the East is going to be crazy. Those playoffs are going to be so good. I think each series is going to be really good. Um, but, yeah, I guess we'll have to see. All-Star game coming up this weekend. Nice little break for everyone. Uh, we can, you know, enjoy the All-Star festivities, and then we'll really start hammering down on on basketball and, and stuff like that. So look forward to more basketball content, everyone. Uh yeah, okay, so that's good for the NBA. Matt, why don't you give us our weekly uh, UH basketball breakdown, and then we can start to wrap this one up. All right, so this past week, UH basketball had a pretty important week, uh, playing the top two teams in the Big West Conference as they were sitting in third going into that week. So they did split their home game series or home game set against Long Beach and then getting a win against Cal State Fullerton. But kind of starting off with Long Beach State, so tough loss for the Bulls. Um, Long Beach is looking really good right now. They're on a nine-game winning streak, you know, kind of taking control of the top seed in the conference. Um, but this game was, you know, I, was, I will say I was at both of, both of these games, so kind of had a good understanding of the game. But, you know, it was a really close game, you know, the whole way. Um, but there's really only one thing that I just got to point out, and it's just the kryptonite of UH basketball this year, and it's their point guard play. I think in basketball, you know, NBA, high school, you know, you, you, need, a good, you need a good point guard to, to be able to orchestrate the offense. And, you know, UH just, they don't have, you know, that guy playing right now. Their guards, you know, Junior Madhu and Noah Coleman, the two starters, they're more, you know, I would say two guards, especially. Um, and the guy that just drives me insane, you know, Coach Aranganat, um loves to use Javon McClanahan, who's kind of the UH six man. And, you know, he's a guy who gets starters minutes, plays in crunch time, but he's... He's the quote-unquote point guard of this team. And he lacks every single intangible that you want in a point guard. And, okay, so first off, first off, he's undersized. <laughs> he's undersized. He's under six feet. So he's a defensive liability against bigger guards. 
So he's always going to be undersized. Second off, he can't shoot. <laughs> there's no there's no threat of him, you know, stretching the floor. And that's, you know, in a guard, you would kind of hope that he can at least be a respectable, you know, outside shooter. But, you know, looking at the way Long Beach was playing him, they were just daring him to shoot, daring him to shoot that, you know, contested three or not contest, contested three, but, you know, a long three or even a, you know, a mid-range shot. There was no real threat of him to make that. And, you know, it's so demoralizing, you know, just to watch as a fan. And the one thing that I think, you know, is also more important than scoring is being able to create uh, shots for your teammates. You know, point guards, you know, maybe you're not the best shooter, but guys like Rajon Rondo, you know, not a great shooter, but he knows how to just orchestrate the offense and, you know, set people up for shots, set your shooters up for shots. And he just doesn't do that. I mean, he'll, I watch him play, you know, he's a very timid ball handler. Like there's no, you can kind of see it in his eyes. There's no aggression. Like, you know, I'm going to take it to the hoop and either, you know, get a layup or, you know, drive and kick out. It's more of a, I'm going to stop at the top of the key and then pass it. <laughs> like just, just I mean, like, you know, any, anybody offense, can, could just but anybody can do that. Run. And that's also why I can't stand, you know, UH2. It's like, they're so ugh, like, it's just so boring, <laughs> but you know, when you're a point guard, you can't get trapped like in the middle of the, of the floor. Like he just drives in the middle of the paint. And then he gets stuck. He stops his dribble. Everybody's around him. He's short. He can't see over the guys. So, you know, he's very turnover prone. And I think that's just so demoralizing to a team. And, you know, the way Long Beach was playing that game, you know, they're a very undersized team. So they rely all on athleticism and guard play. They press UH the entire game. And they, the whole game, they, they pressed the whole game. And UH couldn't, couldn't break it. You know, and McClanahan, he had, you know, I think he had back-to-back turnovers in the first half, like really bad turnovers leading to Long Beach baskets. I mean, it's just those kind of plays that just change the momentum of the game. And then UH is always playing from behind from there. So, you know, we really saw that lack of a point guard, you know, come to fruition with that Long Beach game. But, you know, luckily UH, you know, bounced back against Cal State Fullerton. You know, that was a big win for them because now they hold the tiebreaker for the number two seed in the Big West over Cal State Fullerton. So this one was more about, I would say, Cal State Fullerton's ability to not make shots. I mean, I don't know how good they are at shooting, but they just had a rough night shooting. Um, You know, their main scorer, can't really pronounce his name, EJ Anoski. You know, everyone was kind of hyping him up on the broadcast, but he had four points, <laughs> four points. I think he averages like 16 and a half points on the season. So they held him to four points on he two for went, 10 shooting. Yeah, two for 10. Two for 10 shooting. So, I mean, when your star doesn't show up, <laughs> you got a good chance to win if you're the other team. So I thought UH did a great job, you know, clamping him down with, you know, Kamaka Hepa has been playing really good defense as of lately. Uh, Bernardo Da Silva as well, kind of manning the interior. Um, and then, you know, this one was basically our offense was going through Noah Coleman. I mean, he's the he's the scorer. You know, he had two good games against Long Beach and Cal State Fullerton, and he, he led the offensive charge. So 
I think it was important for them to get a split um, and at least hold that number two seed because, you know, seeding is really huge when it comes to March, right? So they got, uh, who do they play next? They got UC San Diego. They got a road stand coming up. So they got UC San Diego on Thursday and then UC Irvine on Saturday, which is going to be a tough one. So I will point out that the UC San Diego game does not count (laughs) on the record. Yeah, so it's it doesn't count. This is their first year in the conference, oh. so they're not eligible for the postseason play. Oh. <laughs> so it's kind of a yeah, like a tune-up for the. the you could say the yeah, they played them. Almost. They played them before in the season. They won, you know, pretty decisively. Um, so hopefully they can at least you know just keep their momentum going at least, and then you know that showdown against Irvine is going to be tough. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that turns out. Not that many more games left. I think they only got six more. Mm-hmm. And then it's tournament time. Yeah, I'm trying to go to the tournament. Oh, wait. No, where's You're trying to go to the tournament? Oh, it's oh, in, Ve- it's in no, Vegas. No, 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 never mind. I'll go to one of their last last games. <laughs> yeah, they only got one more homestand left. Yeah, I think next week. All right. Well, hopefully yep, they can finish strong. And then we can sneak into the tournament. Um, we haven't gone dancing since 2016. Oh, that 2016 team! I still dream of that <laughs> the dream team. basketball time, man. Still should have beat Maryland. I'm still sick about that. Um, yeah. all right, well, wrap it up, Matt. Let's wrap it. Let's wrap this one up. Why don't you give us your uh your this day in sports? Yeah. So I got lazy last week. Was kind of tired. <laughs> so we'll give a sports fact today so today is february 15th and all the way back in 2009 so i'm gonna give a little nba all-star uh tribute since the all-star game is this week but you know back in 2009 there was a co-mvp given out to the all-star game mvps and that was none other than kobe and Shaq, the dynamic duo I don't think there's ever been a, you know, a co-MVP in the All-Star game until then. Yeah, and yeah. still to this day. So that's that's a history mark. And, you know, I know we have one Kobe fan on the call right now. So what do you mean? <laughs> We're sure. both Kobe fans. <laughs> Come on. Well, I, I would say, yes, I am a Kobe fan, but I am, you know, deep down, I'm Le- I'm team LeBron. So. Okay, that's true. I, was, <laughs> I used to hate LeBron, man, because I love Kobe. Yeah. But, but shout out to the Mamba. And the diesel. Or I don't think there would be a. It. There's never. Yeah. Shakaroni, <laughs> Shaq's in a fool. <laughs> I don't think there would ever be a duel like them. Never. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a good one. Uh, yeah. Sorry we got so football heavy, but that will be our last pretty much game breakdown until season starts up again in what, like seven months? Jeez. It, oh, the season yeah. starts now for everyone else. They gotta start getting ready for the draft. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, we might do a in in person or live draft reaction thing. Uh, stay tuned for that. We'll release more details. But um, until then, thanks everyone for listening again. Uh, we're gonna get into some basketball stuff, like we said. Um, so stay tuned for that. And until the next one, thank you. And we'll catch you guys later.